Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. We're continuing our theme of deep dives with the experts this season. And I'm very excited to have on with me today, Marty Rainey. You probably heard of him before. He's a homesteader, a musician, a mountain climber, and he is the host of the very popular show Homestead Rescue on the Discovery Channel. He also just published a book called Homestead Survival. And I can't think of anyone better to talk to us about starting a homestead, common mistakes with homesteading, and all the stuff in between. So welcome, Marty. Well, welcome from Alaska. It's a clear blue sky day. We just got about six inches of snow. And uh, on the hillside behind my house, there's about 18 to 20 inches. So Alaska, Alaska winter has set in, but hey, that's part of it. The good news yes. is probably have to full disclosure i don't always do everything right i think that's what really qualifies me to help other people i've made all the mistakes but Amen. this may be the first this may this may be the first time might as well start off letting people know that you know maybe someone else is more qualified for this podcast than me but this is the first winter in 50 years in alaska where i probably have enough wood to get through the winter took me 50 years to figure that one out but hey, you figured it out. So, <laughs> I will I will tell you one thing about my audience. They love a good mistake story. So I, my most popular episodes is when I tell them how I royally messed something up. So I think that you're going to be very well loved. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow. I don't know how so. to take that, but okay. I will take it. Okay. So I'd love to talk to you about homesteading in Alaska. Um, I'm especially interested in harsh climates. We live in Wyoming where it's super windy, super cold, and the weather's crazy, but I feel like you still have me beat in terms of harshness. So how, what are your, some of your strategies for homesteading in a place like Alaska? Like, can you, can you grow vegetables? What do you have to do differently than the average homesteader? Anyone that lives in a colder climate is well aware, and, I'm, and, and to those in your audience, I'm preaching to the to the choir they know what's going on there is a growing season there is that last day if you will of frost there is that week or two that you plant to get in a sufficient crop wherever you live i mean it's the 21st century and a person you know if you ask that question of somebody maybe even 20 years ago uh you might have to do some research in your area but right now there's an app and information overload i mean you can look up the very uh, pinpoint square foot where you're standing on planet earth and see on an app somewhere if your house actually or farm or ranch or homestead whatever even qualifies for a wind turbine if someone knows this they know if your house your area your valley your state your county has enough wind to justify getting a wind turbine so yeah cold weather does uh i have a lot frankly personally those are my people you know i relate to people that have a longer winter a colder winter more wind the plains yeah we just shot an episode in not far from custer nice and it was clear blue sky beautiful it was our first episode in wyoming it was stunning yes I, i'm hooked it was beautiful yeah. um my assistant kelly kazina has family uh, that I believe thousands of acres in South Dakota near near uh, Wyoming border, I think. And uh, where's that rock? Uh, where's oh, that? Devil's that? Tower. Yes, yeah. Yes. Excuse 
excuse me for my lack of geographical prowess. But um, (laughs) yes, and I met in Alaska a man named, what was his name? Tokes. And he's got, uh, shoot, he's got a big ranch and farm there. He's got one in Wyoming, one in Montana. He's trying to create an elk farm in Alaska. We were shooting an episode in Delta Junction, a very cold place, even on Alaskan, uh, on the Alaskan, you know, radar Richter scale it's cold there wind everything brutal but in the same breath it's one of Alaska's biggest if not the biggest area for ag uh areas if you will huge parcels of land where they in fact grow barley and it is in fact hybrid some of those crops are hybrid uh crops that you know were designed over time to thrive in cold temperatures in a short growing season. But in that same area of extreme cold, there's certainly a window of weather where you can, again, grow incredible crops. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you're in Wyoming or if you're in Alaska where I live, which is kind of warm compared to Fairbanks and Delta Junction, uh, you're still dealing with seven months or so, maybe eight. Yeah, certainly seven where you probably can't grow something. We actually won, not said in boast, and I cannot take credit because there's my bride and my uh, one of my four kids and his girlfriend kind of managed the garden um, here on this 40 acres in Alaska. But we won first prize at the state fair with a with a what is it? What was it? It was a zucchini. Nice. I was traveling. I was filming, but I was like, wow, good job, guys. Uh, and I think we won some prizes with honey as well because we have bees. My point. Uh, so <laughs> you could be in a an award winning, uh, you could be an award winning, uh, you know, produce vegetable farmer, if you will. Your your garden could be award winning in cold climates, whether it's Delta, Wyoming, or or this Valley of Palmer, also known probably equal or or right in there with delta junction is you know 580 600,000 whatever square miles in alaska and the two areas of ag notoriety would be delta junction and where we live palmer much warmer here a little bit longer growing season for sure rich soils and of course of course it's the land of the midnight sun so if you can't grow something in alaska um that would be a, you know, you're, you're the pinball wizard, deaf, dumb, and blind, yeah. you know, could grow something here. Good perspective. What zone are you where you live? I don't know what that means. What growing, like your growing zone, your garden zone. I don't know what that means. Oh, you don't know. Okay, we'll see. Doesn't even, you don't even need to know. You're just getting, <laughs> when's your last frost date? Um, the, in this part, well, that's re- subject, subjective and relative because all these weather changes are, are catching people by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say by the, uh, fifth, the, the, you know, certainly by June 1st, you could grow, plan anything, okay. but there's people planning in the latter weeks of May. So yeah. you're, that's really similar to us. So, that, I mean, I figured you'd be, we, I usually plant my tomatoes and my sensitive stuff June 1st, Memorial day. Yeah. So and with all this sun, again, you could grow anything in the growing season. 
if you will, or growing zone, as you state, that one of the issues or uh, things that we run into is the, are people saying, oh, we want to grow year round. We, wanna, we want an extended growing season. And honestly, I'm asking myself privately on these homesteads, why? There's plenty of time. I mean, I know what a garden can produce, so you've a small one nonetheless. So what are these people, you know, is it romantic? Probably because they're not, they're not even taking advantage of their existing growing season. But if someone asks us, Hey, we want to, you know, so we'll, uh, I wouldn't say humor, but we go to help people. So if that's what you want, we feel that they'll, um, you know, pick up the ball where we left off. We will in fact, uh, try to give them a, you know, heated greenhouse or put a greenhouse on the side of their house to uh, under the same banner that that greenhouse can be heated uh, by the house, whatever the point, all of the tricks. And some of those can be a little romantic um, when it comes to painting barrels black. And, you know, there's a lot yeah. that I have to be honest. I can't think of one thing out there we haven't done. I even think we may have, I'd have to be, I have to be careful saying this because every time I think I, well, the few times rather that I think I've done something that might be original, it probably wasn't. Whether it was songwriting or music or a homestead hack, you know, it's kind of all been done. So, but having done so many different ways to create a growing, growing, if you will, season, longer growing season, extended growing season, I don't know. I think it's, I don't get, I don't see, unless someone has some commercial overtones, why they would. I think that the subject is moot, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. Even now, it's that it's even less. Um, uh, you know, it would take rather more convincing for me to to do it for someone because it's going to cost you more money with the price of fuel. If you're going to have an oil stove or right, doesn't matter. So yes, yeah. So to your question, if you will, um, yeah. I don't care where you live. I've been from coast to coast, north and south. I, I've often said, and not just from the growing aspect, but how difficult and challenging this 40 acres is. I mean, just what I've gone through in the last week was insane. I almost got killed, almost yeah. slipped off the edge of a cliff in a 200 excavator, but oh, in, a, in a blizzard. But um, uh, the, uh. the point, it's just constant, constant challenges here. And this 40 acres and 50 years in Alaska, um, working literally from Ketchikan to Barrow, uh, I think is what might qualify me to help all these other people. And when it comes to, you know, a garden, I think that you can grow in that region. It, the, the, all the other true farmers, true homesteaders have done all the work for you. They know what grows well and they know uh, what to grow and when to plant it. So I'm more, I'm really, uh, I really, I have a lot of respect for people that, uh, true farmers, true, uh, uh, I have a, it hit me. I mean, I never left Alaska in 40 years ish. And until I got on Homestead Rescue and then we started here and then went to Canada and they said, we're going to go to the States. And I was like, man, I don't know. I don't want, you know, I don't want to go to the States, Yeah. but I've changed my tune because I, I realized how beautiful the States are and 
by accident, I, you know, worked along so many diverse climbs uh, and temperatures from, from Alaska to Texas. That pretty much says it all. And it, again, the, the people that were there first, you know, when you, when you fly across America, you look down, uh, it doesn't matter where you fly, you see that whether you're coming into O'Hare or, or, or Denver or SeaTac or Portland or even LAX, you can look down or Houston or, or uh, Atlanta. You can look down, even New York, you can look, you can look down on that flight from what, 25 to 35,000 feet. And you see it, it's right there. It's the patchwork of homesteads that were carved out. And uh, they, they're, those patches of, of ground down there are growing the food for America. Without them, we don't exist. So whether it's the people that carved off a 40 acre piece off the corner of that or, or a 20 or a 10 or a five acre, um, the, we're all borrowing from the proven, uh, tested uh, knowledge, failures, and ultimately successes of all those farmers and ranchers and homesteaders wherever you live, whether it's Delta Junction, Alaska, or Palmer, Alaska, where I live, Wasilla, or where you live. Um, and I've met some, I met some pretty, pretty skookum people from Wyoming and South Dakota. It's hard. It's hard. It is oh, harsh. Yeah. It's a harsh place. I just reached out. Ironically, I had no idea that was where you lived. Uh, but I just reached out to some two people, two people uh, that I mentioned earlier uh, from Wyoming about what cattle should I get on this 40 acres? And mm. Uh, it, it was uh, invaluable information. I mean, I'm not a go to YouTube guy. I'm not, I mean, I have a YouTube channel, I guess, somewhere, but, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I'm not minimizing how valuable that can be for people, but you can't, you cannot underestimate, you cannot overlook. I don't care who's out there listening. You know, just stop at an old farm in your neighborhood and talk to those old timers. That knowledge is priceless. It's invaluable. And when, you know, people like that are talking, the smartest thing you could ever do is listen to them. They know what they're talking about, whether it's the water, the rainfall, um, what to plant and when to plant. Yes, I, I agree much better than YouTube. If you can find that locally, that is the way to go. I know just even with the ranchers in our area, we, pretty historic ranching community that we live in um the, st the stories they have alone well as just extremely valuable but yeah you know wh why is the wind coming out of the south today and not the other way and they'll tell you the stories and they'll tell you the other years when the droughts were like this and then when the the rain came in august and it didn't come in august next year just like i've learned so much just by listening i agree yeah did you um so what part of wyoming are you in i'm not again we were in the custer uh hazel no uh, newcastle area okay we are down in the southeast corner by near Cheyenne on the plains. Oh, yeah. No, sounds amazing. I, I, I Listen, I'm not a BSer. I'm telling you, I had looked forward to going to Wyoming for years. And now filming season 10, when I heard we were going there, I was like, nice, this is going to be nice. Yeah. And it was, it did not disappoint. It, it's kind of like no matter where you were, didn't matter where you were, 
you could just get on a horse and start riding. Oh yeah, yes. The and, wide open spaces are are here. <laughs> yeah, yes. you could do that here, but you'd probably be dead in a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not quite as risky as there. Not as many bears down here. We have some, not as many as you guys. <laughs> yeah. So I really, really enjoyed Wyoming. Um, we the the on while we're on that topic, season ten is underway. Uh, I think we're filming, yeah, we're filming a lot of episodes, but uh, the first one of the season was Wyoming. Excellent. Excellent. And it might yes. be the, pre- it might be the premiere and it had to deal with water and gardening and growing food. Yes. And it, they'd been there 20 years. I think their parents started it and drilled a, drilled a 900 foot well. And for 20 years, nobody ever got water out of that well. So they really? hauled. Yeah, they hauled water at a considerable expense. Oh, oh, for 20 years? 20. Oh, my word. And it was one of the reasons we, you know, obviously the reason they called us. Yeah. The network approved it. And then but there we were. And I guess you'll have to, you know. We'll have to watch the rest. Yeah. The network <laughs> won't be happy with me if I reveal that. Yes. But that's what they handed us. You know, we've been here 20 years in Wyoming. And, and that, that gentleman said something that they were, I don't know if it's true. I'm not calling him out, but, you know, we got to be cautious in this type of medium, blurting something serious out like this. But he, he, I think he said that that area of Wyoming was like in an eight-year drought. I wouldn't be surprised. There, we, we have some rough drought patches. So, really do. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, what? to add to the lack of water but uh um so i don't know the growing zone or time in wyoming we were there uh where were we we were there in the spring maybe i i I don't even know what month it is now but um certainly they ended up with a much better growing uh uh productive homestead self-sufficiency lifestyle than when we showed up water's the key yeah. i mean i'm sure it's on a list that you were, were going to ask me but while we're on this topic i mean yes this is the thing young lady everywhere i go um i almost expect it i sometimes privately take a little sigh of relief when i don't have to deal with it when they go oh they have water what oh then we focus on something else but it's a I mean, it's a striking number of people that have purchased a piece of property, frankly, but unbelievably sight unseen. Mm. And then some, uh, believe it or not, I would say, uh, I'm thinking, I, let's say, let's say five people have done that. Three of those, maybe at least three off the top of my head, had water on the property and didn't even know it. So they were fortunate. Okay. We got water. Yes. Uh, but uh, I think we, and other ones, we might have had to drill a well. The, uh, this show, Homestead Rescue, um, is evolving. And I'm not happy with so, how it started, frankly. But everyone, including myself, and everyone's defense was kind of learning the ropes. But by episode five, we, had, we were in, uh, oh, shoot, Nevada. And this really cool family. Uh, the Condor family, dad, mom, two, <clears throat> excuse me, really cool boys. I think one was 18, one was 30, something like that. Very cool sons. The dad was a hardworking carpenter, downturn 2008, 
mm-hmm. lost his job in Reno and the house, ended up out there. His, de- his son bought 40 acres for out of uh, Lovelock, Lovelock, uh, Nevada for, uh, I think, $6,000. Wow. A couple, couple camp trailers. Here you go. It's the best I can do, family. I love that story. And I, that family was amazing. Hard times befall everybody. I've been through my share. Yes. So, so I can relate to that. All these people and their stories, they, these homesteaders, they have no idea that I've been through it all. Struggled, you know, this is an oil state, right? Yes. So it's got ups and downs. And when oil's up, you're, you're up. And when it's down, you know, it crashes. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, you know, many people have left Alaska during those crashes since the 70s. But we're still here because we came, you know, for Alaska, not for financial reasons. So, yeah, I can relate to those families. And on that episode five on season one, when they were just testing the waters, they being Discovery, um, is this going to work or not, you know? Yeah. But on that episode, I was like, wow, we, we, we actually struck water in the middle of the desert on like a 10-year drought. The well driller told me, you know, um, you know what this is going to cost? I said, what? He goes, it's $50 a foot. And we're going to go 500 feet and it'll be dry. Ugh. I told that, to, and he goes, but I'm taking your money. Yeah. So I went, I went to the network and I said, man, what are we going to do? I said, don't do it. I'd already purchased a big, huge trailer to haul water, for, which was very affordable from Lovelock, which has an amazing history about water, by the way. Mark Twain actually came over that trail. It's a 40 mile trail or something like that. Your listeners are going to be uh, more privileged, more aware of this story than me. But anyway, when you were going out west, looking, you know, go west, young man, mm-hmm. and young, uh, when you were going out west, you had to hit, you came to Lovelock and there was no water for 40 miles till you got to over towards Reno and Truckee and those areas. Anyway, I'm learning this while I'm there. And under underscoring that you know 100 years later still no water there still no water Ugh, yeah beyond beyond there but here's a quote from there jill that blew my mind by mark twain and his he had i don't know when he wrote it but it he definitely wrote it so mark twain wrote you could on that 40 mile trail of settlers taking their families their oxen their horses their livestock across that and and not making it um mark twain said what did he say he said scarcely you set a foot without stepping on a bone oh my gosh <laughs> no, horses oh my gosh. and wagon wheels yeah families i mean there's a graveyard out there with over 100 yeah. people so water's a big deal they can make or break a settler Yes. And it can, make, it can make or break a modern day 21st century homesteader. So we've tried every trick known to man, water catchment. We've learned the rules and the, the hard way. Mm-hmm. There, are states, there are states that won't let you catch water. There are states that monitor how much water you can get. Um, people listening right now that in those areas are well aware. So water's a big thing and, and water's getting short you know, shorter in a lot of areas out West. It's a big issue. You know, water is life. It's poetic, but poetic, poetic, notwithstanding poetry, notwithstanding 
it's the truth. Yes. You so know, are so you? Can, go ahead. Go ahead. Are, are are you seeing with these homesteads? Are are they they're buying them sight unseen? So like they don't have wells, or the wells have gone bad, or they've never checked to see if there was water in the first place. Like, what's the biggest uh, cause of these water issues, or is it just across the board? You know, honestly, let me put a footnote on that last little story. The network told me to drill, and we did, and we hit water at 127 feet, 20 gallons or more a minute, a million dollar water well. Wow. And so this family that had got a lot of bad news, it 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 resurrected them literally, nearly, nearly, literally. So yeah. water it can make or break you. Hey friend, this episode is sponsored by Genuine Beef Company, which is actually us. It's our beef company. So a number of you have been asking us for a while about the possibility of free shipping. And it took us a while to figure it out because I'll be honest, shipping frozen meat is heavy. <laughs> It is pricey at times, and it can be just complicated. You got dry ice, you got packaging. You want it to stay fresh all the way to the customer's doorstep. But we finally figured out a way we can offer you a really awesome bundle that not only gives you free shipping, but also free ground beef. So we're calling it the Steak Sizzler Special. And here's what you're going to get. I'm going to hold this up for those of you watching the video version of this podcast. If you're watching the audio version, then you're just going to have to use your imagination. But you're going to get four T-bone steaks. You're going to get two sirloin steaks. These are quite large, ridiculously large, and will fill an entire small frying pan. You're also going to get two of my personal favorite steak in the whole world, the tomahawk. These are like the caveman steak. They are beautiful plated. They are buttery and tender and really the ultimate holiday steak. They're excellent for gift giving. Every time I gift this to someone, I mean, I get the most amazing review afterwards. And you're going to get two pounds of our 9010 ground beef thrown in there for free as well. So this is our beef, guys. We don't do co-op beef. This isn't an aggregate. This isn't a big conglomeration. This is our beef. We raise it from the day those calves hit the ground to all the way to the day they're processed. They grow out on our Wyoming prairie. No corn, no grains, no antibiotics, no added hormones or steroids. It's as pure and as genuine as it gets. And we appreciate your support so very much. We have been shipping out orders steady every single Monday and Tuesday, thanks to you. And every single time we see an order come in, we all do a little celebration. So thank you guys. And if you want to grab the special before we run low on inventory, head on over to genuinebeefco.com. I'll drop that link in the show notes. Click on the banner at the top of the page and grab the steak sizzler special. Now back for episode. I I think to be honest with you, it's money. You know, to be on waterfront or to have a stream or river or creek is more expensive. Yes. Um, when I wrote that book, what prompted me to write it was, excuse me, when I wrote that book, what prompted me to write it was, frankly, an article I read in Forbes magazine, and I, I don't read Forbes magazine. I don't read any magazine, sorry. But I, I ran across an, an excerpt, I don't know where or how, about this urban escape. And it was years ago. Yes. Just before the pandemic and then exacerbated, of course, by the pandemic. And now everybody that lives, everyone out there that lives in a cool rural area knows exactly what I'm going to say next. All of these people in these cities are had an opportunity over the last two years 
and that opportunity, that window, that door is closing a little bit. But they had an opportunity to put their house up for sale and get five offers on it, get paid more money than you know they were selling it for, and then with all that money go buy it, buy whatever they wanted. Usually, you know, land in a remote area to escape the cities. I'm apolitical, yeah. So I can't. I shouldn't say can't. But I won't belabor on why they're leaving those cities. We all know the reasons. Um, so whatever their reasons, this is happening in mass. Yes. Yes. So when I wrote the book, I, I had a working title. Uh, I should say the privilege of writing a book. Thank you, Random House and Discovery. But I my working title was Urban Escape. By the way, back to not having an original idea in my life. My assistant, Kelly, looked it up. Oh, yeah, Marty, there's like 10 websites, Urban Escape. Yeah. So I said, oh, I'm smart. How about Urban Exodus? And so she goes, oh, you, Marty, you're a loser. There's like 10. <laughs> yeah, urban, there's, there's, yeah. there's Urban Exodus. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, when you write a, if you get, when you have a TV show, um, unless you really, really, uh, unless the network really likes your idea, the network is going to pick the idea of the show. The, excuse me, the name of the show. Yes. yes. So, and I learned that in the uh, publishing world, same thing. Yes. They like they like to pick their titles too. So mm-hmm. Homestead, and the reason they put pick those words and it makes sense to me uh, after their explanation was, or you know, uh, trust me, the theme and the motivator was this urban escape. You know, I, it takes us, uh, shoot, it takes us, right now, all these episodes the last couple of years have been two hours long. So it takes us eight days with a camera to do all that work. Um, but with a book, how many people could we help? That was kind of the shtick. So, you know, in the book, I say something kind of corny. If this book just helps one person, it's worth it. You know, but yeah. it kind of is. But the purpose of the book was to help more than one family per week yes. or or whatever, eight or 10 families uh, per season. So we'll see what it, apparently it's, it's uh, people are buying it and, and more, more important than the buying is actually learning or just relating to it. But um, uh, yeah, the, um, so they picked the title Homestead Rescue because those are words, keywords in the uh, internet, social media, literary world where homestead and rescue are like keywords so i i get it and um the water uh on these homesteads i think it's just people the, the land is cheaper where there's you know middle of nowhere yeah. and i get surprised shocked i don't have time to show the surprise or the shock i'm just too busy working but we just came from uh where was it virginia and uh, something happened there for a nice young black couple that I still can't believe. But in their case, they bought 10 acres, I think, and I'm sure it was very cheap land. They just wanted to get out. I think he was a bike messenger. And a lot of people knew him. Real nice looking guy, big guy, nice, very, just the man, beautiful people, dreads. In fact, I cut. I carved a big sign after I, as we drove away, and handed big sign, like eight feet long, with a chainsaw. I nice. and I hope. And I said, I, I said, if this is offensive, I'll, 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 I'll 
cut it into firewood. But the sign I stuck on the edge of their homestead after a couple miracles happened there, by the way, was Dreadstead. Nice. <laughs> and they they did like it. They had the most amazing dreads. But uh, they're 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 typical, I think, of a lot of people. There's not a lot of money. You want to go to the country. You, you drive around and you see all the prices are up. It's crazy. You know, oh, nice little farm in the middle of nowhere, you know, 600,000. Yeah. Uh, even for me, you know, something 300,000, I'd be like, hmm, it's a lot of money. You know, how do you pay that? How do you, you know, it's a big mortgage. Are you working? Are you retired? How do you homestead? Are you going to be working all the time to support it? So we see a lot of people buying land that's affordable and they're moving out there in a trailer or a yurt. Or there's an old cabin out there or, a, you know, a house that's been sitting for a while. And that's the reason, uh, you know, their next step is they're looking for water. A little bit, you know, court. Uh, what is that cart and horse thing? You know, yes. you, 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 you have to, you really do. There, you know, if there's one thing I could say and just hang up the phone right now is, you know, I can't stress enough the importance of having water or a plan for water. If you're really serious about living off grid, if you're a single guy, I don't care what you do. Knock yourself off. Yep. You're dragging a beautiful girl out there or some kids. You got to have water because they, they need water. They need cleanliness. They need showers. They need to wash clothes. and it starts there, but then it's a ripple effect. The more water you have, the more successful you'll be of food growing and, and bringing yeah. animals dead. And I'm a, I'm not a clean freak. I mean, I'm as soon as I hang this phone up, I mean, I'm mucking out a chicken coop and building a barn and working on a, you know, mechanical, some mechanical stuff. My point, but you get dirty on these homesteads. Yes. Um, so my point, uh, I'm, I'm sensitive every time we never meet these Jill, we never meet these people in advance. We don't talk to them on the phone. Like me and you, nothing mm -hmm. behind the scene, nothing behind the oh. scenes. I won't. So it's like cold Turkey when you show up. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, but when I'm standing there and I see these beautiful ladies and they're these little kids, girls or whatever, or kids, you know? I'm like, man, <laughs> there's no water here. They've been out here for two years, four years. I'm thinking, okay, so I'm thinking right that second. I don't care what anyone's thinking. I'm going to try to get the this family water. So, yeah, uh, we, and and it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy how many people have brought property and lived there for a couple of years and didn't know there was a possibility to get water outside, outside of drilling a well. Yeah, the network will not let me, and and doesn't like it, and I don't blame them. This shows, again, has evolved. We've all, we've all had to, we've all given it our, you know, two cents, our input collective, to get it where it is now. We don't have a lot. Of, we don't have a big budget. I mean, it takes a lot to make the show, but yeah. the amount of that the rainies get to use to do this is shockingly low. So we're forced, if you will, 
uh, to be creative, inventive. But I'll tell you straight up right now, the show probably wouldn't be on the air right now, 10 seasons, if every time we showed up there, there was an endless budget. We drilled wells and on every episode. I don't, I don't know if I would do a show like that. Well, the limitations are real life. I mean, that's, that's the true homestead situation for a lot of folks is those limitations. And I think that makes it, that makes it way more interesting and way more realistic. Yes, ma'am. And so, yeah. And, 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 and a few years ago, uh, thank, thank you, mother earth news. They invited me to an expo in Belton, Texas. I think it's right outside of Austin and anybody out there in, Mother Earth News, thank you so much. That was a real honor and humbling. But there was a building on that expo grounds. It was huge. I mean, to me, it seemed huge as I think about it. And it was full of books. I mean, a million books. Every author, every topic, you know, simple life, you know, uh, overload, uh, infinite amount of information. I mean, so how much can you write about this? Mm-hmm. but I did re-meet a couple authors uh, and I had this show premise. I'm not going to, uh, a new show premise I was going to pitch. And I talked to a couple of these authors and it had to do, well, I, I can't say, but anyway, it did, but it did involve where they lived. So <laughs> a couple of them showed show me where they lived. Holy buckets. They're millionaires. You know, they're professional people, millionaires living in a subdivision. It look exactly like when you fly into these towns, like I aforementioned, uh, Denver, L.A., oh. whatever, uh, where there's high country and these big subdivisions with big houses on the hills right on the edge of town. She lived in one of those. And I was like, man, wait a minute. You know, I'm happy. I was I guess what I'm trying to say is. Um, I feel more than qualified to help somebody that's struggling or trying to figure it out because I'm still struggling and trying to figure it out here. Yes. yes. We're dealing, you can have too much water in meaning glaciers and, and road impassable mm-hmm. and, all, and flooding or, or, or not enough water to really be comfortable or even frankly thrive. You're going to survive. I, I hate TV shows where they're, and don't think that many a producer hasn't tried to get me to say it. They're all going to die. Oh, me and my husband, we laugh about that constantly. Every time something happens here on our homestead, <clears throat> well, the fire, the fire box is out of firewood. Will they make it through the night? We don't know. Come back to find out. Like we, it's our running joke. Yes. <laughs> totally. and, and, and it is a, it is a, I don't know. It's kind of in the DNA of many people in this world on this side, TV and books, but um. Without that water, they're just not going to be successful. They're not going to be happy. They're not going to be clean, frankly. They're not going to be sanitary. I don't think I've ever seen one person yet that's hauling water doing it sanitarily. I I don't think I've ever seen it. Because of how many times you got to transfer the water. I've done it right here on this 40 acres. Get it out of the spring, out of the side of the mountain. Boom. Right there. Any surface water has got you know, uh, it's got, uh, coliform bacteria yeah. done. God knows what else. So you start there. It's already contaminated before you touched it, but now you've got buckets. Now you've got a hose putting it in the water. Uh, you know, did you 
you know, sterify your, or, or, or did you sanit did you sanitize your hands? Where do you store the hose and the pump and the fittings and the crate? Then you got to transfer that water and then pump it into a, you know, into a container, external, internal, inside your house, whatever. There's, I just, you know, maybe somebody's out there listening and go, hey, he's full of crap. We're clean people and we haul water. I apologize. I tip my hat in humility, but I've never seen it. Yeah. Because I've tried to do it and I'd be hard pressed to say that I didn't contribute some something bacteria contaminant into that water system because I handled it one, two, three times, you know, the That's containers, fine. where are they stored? You know, where'd you get the container? Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just, a. I guess, as you can tell, I mean, we've talked for minutes now about water and the importance of it. And if you want your wife or girlfriend or kids to be happier in this lifestyle, get them some water. Yeah, absolutely. And I always think too about everyone, we can all do some, something hard for a little while. And I like an element of challenge in life, but if every part of our homestead is difficult day in, day out, we're not going to keep up with a lot of it. And I look at that with the hauling water. I, I know plenty of folks who are hauling just to their gardens, even they have it in the house, but they're just hauling it to their gardens. And I'm like, that's going to be fun for two weeks. And then you're just going to get tired of it. And you're just going to start skimping and everything. It's just not going to thrive. And then you're going to be annoyed that your garden died. So I think we, I think looking long-term at how, how is this sustainable for my own sanity is, is also important. In addition to the cleanliness and just having water to drink and all, all that, of course. Yeah. So, you know, rain catchment is your easiest, cheapest way, frankly, to uh, stave off hauling water. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that water certainly not clean. Right. And you also have to have rain, which we, we don't really have here in Wyoming. Yeah. That's a problem. I think, so I think I think dude, I think that area. I can't remember. I looked it up because we did rain catchment on that house too. Mm -hmm. um, the cool thing about rain catchment, it's kind of easy to remember, and it is pretty. Actually, it it rained while we were there, and we caught a lot of water. Nice. Uh, uh, serendipitously, but it proves my not my, but it proves the point about the significance of of rain catchment if you have a roof that's 1000 square feet mm -hmm. surface so if you have a roof that's about 1000 square feet and it rains 1 inch you can harness 600 gallons of water yeah it's it's crazy so i don't you know if someone says i get it we knew that we did it anyway then i would go okay not going to berate you ever, but let's get serious. What are you What are you doing to catch water? Because it works. The other thing is, there's a lot of people out there uh, in those states that have clay, and if you're driving, uh, you're driving around and uh, oh shoot, down through the Midwest. It's not limited to there, but all the way from Minnesota down through. I mean, I've seen them. I built them in Missouri, but you can't do it in Kansas. You can't do it in all those places every square into those states and the people again live there but if you guys are anyone listening is in a place where you see ponds here and there those are man-made ponds little round ponds next to a cabin or in a field with 20 cows sitting standing around there they're man-made meaning they had clay so significant 
and integral integral are those ponds people actually truck in clay we've done that as well track make the whole truck in, track in clay walk it in with an excavator uh you know more than one old timer is going to tell you oh put a little bunch of clay out there and let big stomp it in okay whatever uh rain in time will fill that up and that water will stay it's crazy it'll stay right for the most part right up to the edge to the brim so um are you going to drink that water you could i mean there's uv uh systems and uh osmosis reverse osmosis there's systems that you know kill 99 point 99 of all contaminants bacteria so you could i'm not recommending it but you could certainly garden and have livestock and you know thrive and haul drinking water um and i you know i give you a gold star but you know you could all it would take is take renting a, a small dozer or uh, an excavator i can't underscore enough again the importance of having an excavator on your property even for a week yeah. you know find out what the rent the, the, the delivery in alaska one places we go from 150 to 200 dollars from 100 to 200 dollars one way uh for you know an excavator a 200 size excavator you could pretty much do anything but some you know a 130 140 something with a blade on the front you get something like that on your property for a week or five days it's affordable trust me for what it can do yeah. it can tra it will transform your property and transform you as a homesteader so you're gonna have to work hard and spend a little money um and with that excavator believe it or not you can dig a hole in the low part of your property not everywhere but in more places than people know and hit water because i've done it yeah. i've done it places where people told me it's not going to happen and we did it. I just recently did it and shocked the heck out of myself. But so you never know till you try. Oh, that excavator can build roads, it can flatten ground, it can clear land. Um, they can uh, grade is a huge thing on these homes. We go to a lot of homes, water's draining towards the house. There should never be one drop of water that melts and, and drains, if you will, towards your house. All the way, four corners of your house, it better be coming off your roof, hitting the ground, and wicking away. And that's if you're not catching it. Yeah. So, yeah, the excavator for a week or three days, whatever, three to five days an excavator. You know how to do it. Get somebody there to run it. But before that thing goes back learn how to run it yourself because it's not that hard good skills to have too those are yeah those are handy yeah amen skid steer yeah. skid steer good but an excavator is the most versatile tool back in the 80s 90s 70s 80s and 90s the the backhoe was the you know the 580 or the whatever a cat all they were they were they were the every excavator couldn't live without one and now it's a mini x or you know 200 or, or you know 50 150 220 you know you can you can 
again, it's a life, it's a life changer. So with those excavators, you can build a pond if you have clay. A lot of people right now have don't have any water. They're hauling water. They're driving from their property to get water by farms or ranches that have these little ponds. Why? Because those people had clay and just mushed out, pushed out a little bowl, a little swimming pool, and let Mother Nature fill it up. And they yep. could do the same. They could do the same. Amen. Yes. Um, good, solid advice. Old-fashioned way. Um, old-fashioned. So, and, old-fashioned well, way. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you're, if you're driving a, you know, $70,000 Ford truck uh, and your wife's driving a forty dollars or $50,000 fancy car, you don't have water, don't come whining to me because I've never owned a new vehicle you know, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I, um, definitely would focus my money on drilling the well, mm-hmm. $50 a foot was Wyoming. No, $50 a foot was like five years ago in Lovelock. And okay. I'm not, it was a, I can't remember. There's a, there was a town down the road. Well, driller was cool. Second, third generation. Uh, I think it was $50 a foot in Idaho, outside of Boise. Good people there. That was a tough well on top of a mountain. Crazy. Mm, yeah. You're, you're going to find water pretty much anywhere on planet Earth. That's why, uh, you know, frankly, I don't believe in water witching. I don't recommend it. But let me go back to I don't believe in it. So read into that what you want. But I also find it laughable because just about anywhere on planet Earth you drill, there's water. That's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate many people swear by it and live by it. But factually, if I look it up in Webster's right this second, I believe it says pseudoscience, fake. So I'm not saying it doesn't work for some people, but. I'm only touching on it here because I'm by now certain people are probably listening going, well, you water witch, you idiot. Well, this idiot doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but the lowest spot on a property is a, a well driller, you know, would probably tell you that's a, that's something to think about. And I just did that out of complete desperation in Virginia. And you have to watch to see what happened because I still can't believe what happened. Yeah. But, but um hanger there yeah so water's a big thing sanitation's a big thing um the more water you have the more food you can grow the more animals you can bring in the cleaner you'll be the happier happier you'll be real simple yeah good advice so we're running up on an hour and i want to be respectful of your time because i know you got lots going on um this has been an excellent conversation i think my last question for you is you know, we're seeing, like you said, we're seeing this exodus of people from the cities right now. I know in all my years of sharing homesteading online, I've never seen the explosion like we've seen in the last two years. It's blown my mind. And I know a lot of people listening are uh, feeling the bug if they haven't already, but they're looking at buying land. A lot of people are feeling frustrated because like you were talking about earlier, the prices and the crazy markets. What would be your best piece of advice besides water for those people who are wanting, who are itching to get out of the city to change up their life, to have more self-sufficiency, but they're feeling a little paralyzed. Well, 
don't give up. Every single day, I'm, I won't say inundated, but I'm contacted happily, happily, by people with that same question, uh, from people with money to people without money. And, you know, I try to respond to most everyone, but uh, believe it or not, via this podcast, I'm kind of a man of few words. It's certainly on me, social media. It's kind of like, I'll just tell them to do it. Yeah. Go. You don't know, do you try? Yes. And I can pontificate here a little bit, perhaps, uh, with a small P. But at the end of it, the pontification, that's all it would really be. That would be the summation. You, you know, procrastinate. I mean, you have no idea. Let's take Alaska. Yeah, I, one, let's just say cons- a million people have said, I was going to move to Alaska, but, you know, this, and then they'll give me the excuse. But, I, you know, this or that or this or that. I run across these people in the States, right? Um, or they're here on vacation. You know, oh, I always wanted to come here and move here, but it's now it's too late. Now it's this. Now it's that. Um, well, all those are excuses. And apparently you didn't have the dream. Uh, the dream wasn't rooted in you, in your heart in your mind uh, because you would have done it. I know because I moved to Alaska 50 years ago because I wanted to, I dreamed about it. It I came for the adventure. I just, it was a wild place. So assuming that could apply to people in a city trying to go, maybe not to Alaska, but to the country, you know, is it too wild? Is it too daunting? Is it too, expensive is it too scary is it you know uh not many people were so rooted in our ways um i often say to people you know i really question the american dream um this you know two cars and 1.8 kids and the houses are so close together and they're all commuting all these cities that they're all commuting in hour and two hour drives one way back and forth. Oh, they'll, 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 that'll all end in 20 years when they retire or 30. And I look at that and I think I question that, frankly, they're in a rut. And if a rut, if a rut gets deep enough, it could resemble a grave. So I encourage people to sit down with their husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other, whatever, and really look at their life and say, is this where, are we happy here? And if money is the motivator, that would make me sad because there's a lot of things in life that are like peace of mind and uh, serenity, freedom, independence self-sufficiency self-reliance that eclipse a bank account and a showy display of one's means of life which were which we've all done it probably in some way but it's laughable so when all these homesteaders that we help and meet and some that i know that uh you know aren't on tv they're in this they 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 were all these people that you're asking about jill the millions have 
made the decision, thought about it, contemplated the change, and did it. But I haven't met one yet that that was sorry they left the city behind and the concrete and the and the asphalt and the troubles. Yeah. So I never met one person that has lamented this decision yet, even though some of them are really challenged and they get in over their heads. And a lot of that really does. Are those branding irons behind you? They are, yes. Sweet. <laughs> those are the ones we actually so, use too. Yep. Oh, I love it. So we actually, uh, I'll, I, 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 I don't mind telling you, I made one that says HR. And so I've been branding every homestead. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like that. Yeah, I've been branding every homestead, but I'm such a loser because we just came from Kentucky and we worked, we, we worked on a 1800s, if you will, barn, huge mm. And I didn't, I was so busy working. I drove away and I thought, no. I didn't. The, of all things that needed a brand on it. That so would I'm have been sweet. Of, I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of a loser. So yes, I encourage any, it's kind of like climbing Mount, Mount McKinley or Denali. I used to be that guy. I started guiding it in 1986. And I was that guy, you know, let's climb McKinley, Jill. You can do it. Yeah, yeah. Grab a pack, start training. I'll take you. Be, oh, you're a hero. Oh, look. Um, anyone can do it. Until um, I say this, it's, and it's bombastic. It's, it's a terrible thing to say. But until I killed somebody. Mm. Terrible thing to say, but it, 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 it gets the point across that the mountain is really dangerous Yeah, and not everybody can do it. Even the toughest person that I knew that didn't come back yeah. and he was, he was the toughest person that I know. Uh, a crab fish, uh, a crab fisherman with four boats, a legend, mm. uh, more 10 times, every one of those guys on deadliest catch combined wasn't as tough as brian young but the toughest guy you know didn't come back from denali so it isn't for everybody this lifestyle but you know most people can do it is it going to be hard yes is arduous yes um but they can do it you know it's like that you dream you don't just wake up one day and say oh let's climb mckinley tomorrow you 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 see it and go what the or you're already a climber and you're climbing bigger and bigger mountains and then i know that's the tallest one in north america um and so you set your sights on it and it takes years for you to study and get your head wrapped around it and learn about it and um train once you make the commitment not spontaneous yeah and Brian did everything. I mean, he actually flew to Colorado and hired a guide before we climbed the mountain and climbed uh, some 14,000 pieces to acclimate just before the climb. Wow. 
he did everything right everything i mean amazing and he was incredibly tough unbelievably tough so yes these homesteaders you know i want to say anyone can do it come on yeah but it's not for everyone but everyone probably could do it age factor doesn't matter at all to me yeah uh, you know age is a number i often say uh when t- i often say it's not the you know uh it, it's not the age it's the mileage you know for my in my case yeah but yeah i think that um i would encourage anyone thinking about it to really get serious and look at their life are they happy or are they or or are they in a rut yes and then just like denali it's you know it's big it's daunting it takes some it takes some uh instruction it takes uh due diligence and but you'll make it to the you know you'll you'll probably make it yeah. it'll be the it'll be the adventure of a lifetime you'll never be sorry and you'll never know the opportunities i mean it's a new lease on life for most of these people oh absolutely yeah, yeah. um like right where I'm sitting right now, I, I don't deserve this. I'm sitting in a log cabin uh, on a cliff off grid um, in the mountains. I took a walk. Uh, I, I, I took a walk yesterday. We got about 16 inches of snow behind the cabin yesterday, day before. I just want to see, uh, I'm not a kill everything in sight guy. I, we try to get a moose every year, which I did on open day, luckily, or a caribou. But um, just to see who's around in, on the neighbor in our neighborhood, if you will. I saw wolf tracks. I saw uh, wolverine tracks. Two coyotes. Two lynx. At least one fox. Porcupine. Two spruce hens. Uh, just you know, you just heard a magpie messing with the dog. You know, so it's priceless it's priceless to be able to live this serene and calm and natural if you will yeah when i for me it's i just want to live like an alaskan should live that's it which you know it should be self-explanatory closer to nature a little less commercial even though I'm still a contractor, I still go out there and work happily uh, and or travel and help other people. So, yeah, it's it's a lifestyle that I would recommend. Uh, there's no other lifestyle that I would live. I'm blessed that all uh, all members of our family born and raised in Alaska embrace this life, the Alaskan lifestyle and are incredibly adventurous. So, yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that came to Alaska late in life. I'm meeting them right now under this guise of urban exodus. Yes. I, I'm meeting these 50, 60, maybe even 70 year old people that are retiring in Alaska, where in the last five years, many in Alaska, including some well known politicians, uh, 
have gone to Arizona and wow. live there and go to Arizona for long periods of time, which is great because Arizona, by the way, is amazing. I get it. Sure. So, but there's people coming here. The point, you know, regardless of the age, young or old, you know, don't ever let a sense of adventure slip away because I see it every day. And I probably do literally see it every day. Uh, I'm too old or we're set. We can't get away or we, you know, this is tying us down or whatever. It's hard for me to believe that. It's hard for me to believe that people who, if they really wanted to live your lifestyle or mine, or these people that we help, that they that they couldn't be right there in just a matter of months yes but yes. You, you know the hardest step on every adventure is that first step out the front door absolutely and there's so many stories we tell ourselves that try to convince us to stay in the house yeah so yeah we it, it's a good life it's a good life it's it, i will tell the, I, you know and I, I appreciate the timeline and i would say um one thing we just has to be mentioned here is a work ethic. Yes. You know, it takes work and the harder you work, the more successful you'll be in anything. But the work on a homestead is, is um, manual. And a lot of people, it seems are less and less uh, amenable to manual labor, even on the homesteads that we visit full disclosure you know, I think they all could work a little bit harder. And so we certainly are. And we often kind of re-inspire them. They're like, man, we, we first got out here working our rears off. And maybe we were, you know, these challenges were, we thought were insurmountable. We have surmounted and uh, maybe we're back on track. They hit it hard again, but it's hard work. But man, who, that's, that's the, the, a significant portion of the reason we're out here. You know, yes. we, we like, we like hard work. Yes. You know? So, and I think I, humans need that. I think that's something we're missing. I think our culture is trying to weed that out because we think that makes a better life, but I think we're missing that. And I think that's where so much of that craving comes from is we want, we need the hard, we need the challenge. We need the work and we don't have it. We get off kilter. Yeah, I could, I mean, well stated. So I think you'll live longer. Everyone listening to this, if they're in the city, It's probably a fact that they will live longer if they move to the country and live the rest of their life in the country. I mean, that's that statement alone. Uh, is one for meditation, one for contemplation, one for consideration. I mean. And what would you do if you could add one day to your life? You know? But you could actually live years longer and will. I, I believe it because stress is a killer. Yes. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, on this homestead, these challenges don't really create stress. Not stress like a commute. Not yes. stress like an office. Not stress like a... a, a, a uh, significant amount of bills that you get when you live uh, the American dream. A couple of car payments, 
a light bill, electric, a fuel bill, a gas bill, a water bill, the rent for the, if you're buying a house right now, it's 7% and going up. So they tell us. So it's all the signs are there. You know, the question is, is it a better life? And as we've, you and I have both seen, um, millions of people have asked themselves that question, meditated on it, been honest with themselves and said, you know, if we stay in these cities and try to change it, you know, it's just going to be stressful. Mm-hmm. Whether it's our school district, our politics, whatever it is, it's just going to be stressful and all-consuming. Or we can just get out of here and try to live the rest of our lives a bit more on our own terms. Yes. And I mean, it's got, it's got a really good ring to it. Yes, it does. Now, the bad, the bad side is Alaskans whine about it. I, the good people I met in Idaho, Oregon, Washington, Montana, beautiful states. You know, they had their little panacea, but now, you know, they're being, I wouldn't say inundated, but certainly X amount of people from California, it seems, and, and uh, Seattle are moving out to those, you know, locales. And um, I'm, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm happy for them, those yeah. people. I really am. Um, I can, I get both sides of it. Trust me, loud and clear. I'm dealing with it right here, right now. I'm, I, yeah. As I look out here to my east, you know, somebody's putting in an airstrip in a very expensive subdivision. Hmm. and i don't know what push 40 acres so i don't know how many lots but it's going to be air traffic it's going to be you know but what am i going to do i'm not going to protest and i'm going to i'm not going to any meetings i'm not going to whine about it yeah. alaskans have said to me oh you're all these alaskan shows are bringing people to alaska you guys suck okay alaska i stand to be corrected by anyone and humbly will be but i heard us or read a statistic a couple months ago that there was not a growth in Alaskans uh, con- uh, census since 2016 in its population since 2016. I couldn't believe it. Oh, because wow. every, I know, Jill, everyone told me, oh, all you shows, uh, you guys suck. Yeah. And I thought, well, I mean, it's there's 600,000 square miles and you live in Anchorage. So, you know, I'll yeah. just eat it, I guess, and be, yeah. and, you, and you can, cond- and you can condescend or criticize me. I'll just take it. But they didn't even know what they were talking about. So I also heard that Florida was seeing an increase of 3000 people a day. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard that one a while back. It may not be happening now. I heard, I think I might heard it on, on NPR, the point. So uh, if there's any truth to these statistics, yeah, some people are being inundated with this urban exodus, this um, this uh, uh, urban escape. But, and back to Alaska, the population did increase for the first time since 2016, 
uh, like last year, and it had to do with a military increase on the basis mm. uh, by Fairbanks, I think. So is it a downside? I don't know. I'm sure, you know, some people don't like it, but I, I have to say if, you know, I would have, I, it would be really hard for me to have my little piece of paradise here and then say, no one else can have it. I, I just can't be that person. Yeah. I'm with you. We have, we live in a town of near a town of 175 people. It's an old, old West town and the population is decreasing there too. And the, a lot, some of the folks that live there are anti anyone new moving in. And I'm kind of, I'm like you, I'm kind of like, no, we need fresh people here. We need, we need to see good growth. We need to see some growth. And I really don't feel like chasing away anybody that comes to the area. Cause sometimes that can be a good thing. I mean, it can be, it can be bad too, but I, I'm with you. I think there's, there's some nuance there that needs to be appreciated. Yeah. And everyone, every single, because everybody, wherever we go, people walk up, you know, it, they want to talk about the show i meet so many people and i will tell you every now that you i'm sitting here thinking about these encounters and and what the people don't know is i'm just i'm interested in this topic so i ask them well where are you from da, da, da. yes there's a striking number of them going from believe it or not i think from california to texas as well mm-hmm. that yeah. one i i will need to dial in a little bit more but so but certainly to the mountain states, big time. And that's been going on for years, but exacerbated again by COVID and and all of the troubles that these cities are having since COVID. But um, but all oh, these are good people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy yeah. for them. You know, they're in their 50s and 40s, 50s and 60s. And they're like, you know, I just we just had to get out. But yeah. and when you meet somebody from California. They're always apologizing. We're from California, you know, and they're, they're, I mean, I've heard it a thousand times, it seems. And then, so I try to interrupt them and say, uh, I got to tell you that when, when, when uh, this whole country got started from Jamestown Bay, moved west, uh, Daniel Boone, the, uh, the Cumberland Gap, the trail out west, the Homestead Act, 1862, everyone ultimately was heading for California. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It has everything. It has everything. Heaven. <laughs> so never apologize. And, and then they immediately go, well, our politics. I said, I don't care about that. I've been there. California is stunning. Yeah. Stunning. So I like, uh, it's hard for me to be not in my backyard as the NIMBY uh, uh, you know, dialogue goes, I, I, I'm not that guy. I can't do it. I can't be, you know, that selfish, frankly. Yeah. I'm happy for people that, well, I mean, I just, I'm not wired that way. If these people are want to go, if they're going to make those kind of sacrifices to be happier and, uh, you know, get their family in a better place. Oh man. I'd help. I would help every single one of those families personally if I could, but I can't. <sighs> anyway, so um, yeah, I did a lot of talking here. It was good. What you it don't was good know talking. is uh, yeah, I'm up here. I'm, yeah, I'm up here on the mountain. It's clear blue sky. I'm going to get out here and work on the barn and yeah, uh, 
And believe it or not, I'm getting my eight foot tall fence from, I think it's Jay Topes. I think I'm getting my fence from Jay Topes from, uh, where's that rock in Wyoming? Devil's Tower. Okay. Wyoming, yeah. Wyoming fence. Okay. Devil's. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, he gave me his business card. Uh, and again, I know him from Alaska, from Delta. We bought yeah. some fence from him there for our, for our homestead episode, which was kind of interesting up there. But um, Jay Topes has uh, got thousands of acres in Alaska up there in that Delta agricultural area. And um, yeah, I put in my fence posts and he wanted to buy fence posts for me. So yeah, I got a connection with a, with a Wyoming guy. I'm Excellent. reaching out to him for advice and information because he knows more about he knows more about eight foot tall fence and buffalo and he, oh, raising buffalo, yes. than I, than I do. So yes, he's my yes. he's my I need I need that old I need that old timer. Yep, I like it. I like it. Well, I want you to have plenty of time to work on your fence. But before you go, can you uh, or you have a date when your next season is airing? This season ten, right? It is season ten, and it's kind of crazy, Jill, because this is a crazy business. Nobody really knows knows anything till about I a have, week. I I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you get it. I get it. I've had a small dealing with that industry, and I get it. Yes. <laughs> but in everyone's defense, and i.e. the program department, um, I've heard rumors of December, January, December, okay. not probably not December, uh, Jan December, January, February. But I I really can't. Uh, can honestly answer that question i don't okay. no one knows that's all right that's all right well i know folks can go probably find back episodes somewhere right yeah you know I'm not, well you and i both know i i couldn't even figure out how to get on chrome on the computer so um i'm not the best guy for that but it's okay just, well i well, they'll find it they'll find it it's all right well we're <laughs> well we're certainly on discovery we have two shows Okay. Homestead, Homestead Rescue Season 10 is being filmed now. My next two homesteads I leave here in a few days is, are both in Texas. I don't, I don't even know where. Somewhere in Texas. I just came from Virginia and Kentucky. We've been to Alaska, Idaho, Washington State. Uh, one, two, three. Uh, Kentucky, Virginia, four, five. Hmm, where else have we been? Idaho, Washington, Alaska, Kentucky, Virginia. Hmm, I think we've been, I'm missing one, but, and then two in Texas. And after that, we don't even know. We haven't even lined the people up. This show is a beast. It's a massive, huge beast of trying to find legit people that really need help. Um, you know, they got to pass the background check. Uh, there's so many moving parts. It's crazy. So, so I, yeah. I, I tip my hat to the, everyone involved before I get there, because there's a lot of work that's been done to make sure that something doesn't go wrong once we get there. Um, but rainy ranch is the other show we have that's filmed right here on this 40 acres. Okay. So, um, will we resume another season of that when this season 10 is, uh, wrapped up? i remains to be seen back to the when will the show air question so sure. just that sure. everything's always hanging on no discovery worries. on discovery discovery plus 
I've seen it on Prime. I've seen it on Netflix. I don't know, you know, much about that entire world. But if somebody types in my name, Marty Rainey, R-A-N-E-Y, or Homestead Rescue, they'll be inundated with stuff. Yes. Yes. I can attest to that because I, I did type in your name and I found all kinds of stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Well, so. I, hope, <laughs> I, I hope it's good. Yeah, we, we uh, I'll be honest, the, you know, really try to watch our, uh, watch everything because we have a, I never saw this coming. Um, I never saw it coming where four-year-olds and five-year-olds, six-year-olds and 104-year-olds and everyone in between would walk up and say, you know, it's um, a show they could watch. Mm-hmm. They really it they learn from it uh there's no drama and cussing and uh fighting amongst me and my kids or the homesteaders but in real life i wouldn't fight with or yell at my kids or cuss at them or i would never come to someone's property and and you know be uh intimidating or disrespectful or yell at them or say you're doing something wrong i mean i just couldn't do that so yeah the i've been i don't know very humbled by the audience of this show both shows and um and because of that you know really really uh uh i'm happy to keep making seasons because in real life, we're helping these total strangers. Yeah. And the audience, you know, is very appreciative of the type of show it is. And I, I never saw any of that coming. I had no agenda. I was just going to be me. My daughter, Misty, was going to be Misty, which she's completely crazy. Uh, and Matt's going to be Matt, who's just the nicest person in the world. So yeah. we all worked hard together to help these other families so i just found out something my assistant told me yesterday she goes marty guess who's got a marathon on their network for the day of thanksgiving and uh i made a comment of another show as a joke mm-hmm. and she goes no not that one yours oh, I mean, cool. so yeah and that has happened for more than once through the holiday seasons, Christmas Day, New Year's, uh, Thanksgiving. Nice. And I don't know if anybody on the network ever listens to this podcast associated with TV. I mean, I, I, that makes me feel really good. I mean, if, if anything ever, if there was one thing I personally could take away from this show that makes me feel good is it's that it's, we have a really nice audience. Um, and the network does see this show as a little bit different. And they're very, very supportive. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. So I'm, that's all I'm going to do anyway. But the network lets me. Yeah. I don't think, it, I don't think many shows have that loose of brains. I so, don't think so. Yeah. That says a lot. Discovery's been very good to me, and I thank them. I mean, they could fire me tomorrow, and I would not—I wouldn't be surprised, frankly, because I've done plenty they probably could have disliked. Trust me. Yeah. 
not with homesteaders, but behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But, and I would not ever say one bad word about them. Just the the company, because they've treated me, they've put up with a lot of stuff behind the scenes of me being old school and old fashioned. Yeah. A a lot. Uh, LA and Marty Rainey (laughs) are are cut from the same, but in in the same breath, they've, I, I would never say one bad word about discovery. And that's if they fired me today. Yeah. We helped, well, yeah. we, we helped a lot of people. I love that they're committed to putting this kind of content out there because I think we need more of it. So that's, it's good to hear that. Yeah, it's been good all, all the way around. Well, thank you. That's cool. Yeah. Well, young well, lady. Yeah, I can see, you need to go build a barn. You look like you should be on TV. You look like a very pretty country girl. Well, I've had a lot of TV companies come knocking, but nothing's quirk, worked out quite yet. So I'm just doing my thing. and. You know, well, I'm an executive. If you ever, if you got an idea, I'm an executive producer. Get a hold of oh, me. Oh, okay. I'll holler at you because we do have yeah. ideas on occasion. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pitching. I'm. I've got a. Uh, besides Homestead Rescue and Rainy Ranch, I, I have, I have another uh, Homestead show idea that I'm going to pitch too. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. So, this is a brutal business. I mean, I just, yeah, I've gathered that. Yeah. Yeah, I just got done singing Discovery's praises. But the industry is brutal. Yes. yes. Trying to get shows kind of difficult. Yes. So I, I, yeah. on that happy note, have a, have a great day, young lady. And you I too. Thanks, thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. It was wonderful. I learned a lot and I appreciate your time. I know the audience will enjoy it. Well, that's nice of you. Again, thank you.